I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. James, it has been a minute. I don't even remember how to do this. Do you want to introduce <laughs> the show? Do you know what you're doing? We did we did a show like I want to say in late July, is that right? Like we did we did one after the draft, so July twentieth, I, I think. September. Yeah, well that's true. Yeah. I, I noticed there some people have been complaining that, that we were gone for August, but <laughs> there's we gotta take a break at some point. We gotta take I, I feel like you know, the instructions that the NHL staff got this year was like, August is like your your time because we haven't had, we've, we've worked through the summer the, last, the previous two years. So this was the first year we really had, we were able to take time off in August. So uh, that's that's where we were. Both Jonas and I have family that is lives very far away that we don't see very much. So we both spent uh, a lot of August on the West Coast seeing our family. So that's why there hasn't been a lot of Leafs content lately. But we're back now. Right, we're back. We're back. We're, Training we're camp is in. starting yep. soon. Yep. No breaks now. No breaks now. Um, so since we've been gone, not a lot has really happened. Um, All right, that's Sandin's, the end of the show. <laughs> that's the end of the show. <laughs> Rasmus Sandin still is not signed as of the time of this recording. The Leafs just, did. Yeah, go ahead. Just go listen to the last show. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, the Leafs did sign Zach Aston Reese to a PTO. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, so I was going to tell you what we were going to do today, but then I was like, no, I'm not going to tell him because I was going to make it a game. And I was like, he's not going to want to do a game. And so James, this is what we're going to do. I'm springing this on you. We're going to go through the training camp storylines that I wrote about. Okay. Yeah. That's a from good idea. the least interesting to the most interesting, or do you want to go most interesting to least interesting? Uh, I think we should start with the most and then people can like turn the oh. show off towards the end if they want. Um, okay. Or we can do it your way if you want. I guess that keeps people hanging around to get into like, yeah, well, why don't we do, let's do, yeah, you're right. Let's do the least interesting. Um, what, what day do you think training camp starts? 
I believe, I think it will start 21 or 22. Like maybe avails on the 21st and then the on ice on the 22nd kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. late this year. You know, it's, it's the start of the NHL season is later. And, uh, why is that James? Why didn't they get back on track? Like to an early October start, you know? I think they probably were thinking that the draft and free agency were still a bit late. So we're still like behind by at least a week. And Labor Day was, was late this year too, right? Like, so right. that, that break was, you know, they got to fit in the prospect camps. They got to, you know, we were, we were going to try to have a guest. We were going to have a great guest on this show. And it's like, people are still not back, back, you know, so. No. We, we our guest who's going to come on soon is on the golf course right now, so he wasn't able to join us. But uh, you know, the hockey world is kind of just awaking from its slumber right now. Yes, very true. Very, very, very true. And we we do have questions too. So if, if we're going through oh, all, I forgot yeah. about questions. No, I right, got back. <laughs> Amazing. You don't, you don't remember how this works anymore. No, who am I? Jonas who's is on a, first. Jonas is a goldfish. <laughs> That's, I read. I read your your piece. Uh, the nine biggest storylines to watch at least training camp. And I was like, "Oh, that's really good." And it's like, yeah, well, that's kind of. I don't know. It's what we do, right? Thanks. Yeah, we're back in the swing. It was good for me. Like they'll be like, "Oh yeah, those are the storylines." Like, oh, they have Abe Kubel on the team. Oh yeah, right. We, we have uh, <laughs> we have sixty eight questions, so we will not get to all of those, uh, but we will get to some of them. All right, without further ado, the training camp storylines presented in order that I think of least interesting to most interesting. Number nine, how do the Leafs replace Ilya Mikheyev and Andre Kasha? That was my suggestion. You asked for suggestions for uh, training camp storylines, yes, and that was one of the I ones I sent. That was one of yeah. the ones I sent in. So take it away, James. It's all you. Well, I think one of the, the storylines is uh, – does the forward depth, does the forward group take a step back, even if it's just a small step back by losing Mikheyev and, and Kasha and having a little bit of a different mix than last season? You know, it's going to depend kind of on the seasons for Yarncroc and, you know, is Nick Robertson a factor? Mm-hmm. Uh, is Abe Kubel, could he, you wrote a piece to asking, you know, can he be kind of like the surprise uh, bargain free agent signing of the year the way that bunting was last year um so i think that that's and the, and the thing too is that the uh, and, and kasha both you know helped on on special teams as well so you know you need players more than just uh to to fill in on the their third and fourth line they're gonna have to do some pk and and power play and things like that as well mm-hmm. well to me i don't know that you can boil it down this simply like you've kind of hit on it uh like the depth as a whole but to me if I'm the coaching staff, I'm kind of thinking, can Pierre Engvall and Callie Yarncroc be about as good as Cash and Mikheyev? Like, I don't, those, uh, like, Cash and Mikheyev, I think, are better than both those guys. But, like, is the difference between Mikheyev and Engvall that big? I don't, I don't think so. I think the big difference is, is kind of the way Mikheyev plays. Like, his energy level every night just is, like, relentless, and Pierre Engvall doesn't always have that. Offensively, I don't think Yarncroc is as good as kasha but i like i don't think it's like a massive gap like what do you think of that comparison of just boiling it down to that because like those you could kind of see yarn playing in some of the same situations that kasha did you could kind of see Engvall playing the same situations as mckay did he did last year like how much worse do you think those two are i think maybe just 
a little bit, but obviously Kasha missed at least a third of the season and and there was no guarantee if if they signed him. And and and, and we should put it out there too, the Leafs tried to sign him. Like they made I heard they made the exact same offer that that Carolina did. So uh, I didn't get a reasoning from Kasha's camp of why they chose Carolina over Toronto. Maybe there was a guarantee of playing higher in the lineup or something like that. Um, but if you factor in the fact that that Kasha's probably going to miss a big chunk of the season, then I think that it's probably pretty even. And the thing, too, that the, the Leafs have worked, Kyle Dubas was talking about a little bit, uh, was it at the draft or was it around for agency? Just about having a better fourth line, like a fourth line that can contribute a little bit more. And if they do get Aston Reese signed, which I think the odds are relatively good, uh, especially if he's willing to sign for, you know, $800,000 or something like that. Um, I think they, they, there's an opportunity for the fourth line to be quite more, a lot more effective than it was last year. We're going to get to the fourth line, so I want to talk about that more. But let, let me go back to something you hit on, um, the forward depth as a whole just being a little bit worse. And I think where you kind of look at it and you think maybe it's a little bit worse is offensively, it, it doesn't look like they have as much juice. Like they're, they're kind of missing a little bit. Like you look at some of these guys, like Engvall, you don't really think of an offensive player. Like he put up pretty good numbers last year. Camp, no. Yankok, no. Uh, Abe Kubel, not really. Goddard, maybe. Aston Reese, no. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of look at it and you're like, well, offensively, are they, they're going to be a little bit worse. And then you remember, well, like you mentioned, Kasha missed a bunch of games. Mikheyev missed a bunch of games last year, too. They were, I think, second in five-on-five goals. Like, maybe offensively, they'll be a teeny bit worse and maybe it won't really matter. Well, they kind of need one of those guys that, like, Gaudet's had the one year where he produced in, yep. in Vancouver and... Abe Kubel, you know, they, they need someone to like surprise a little bit offensively, I think is what yes. they're looking for. Yeah. And Robert, and maybe Robertson's that guy, right? Perhaps. Perhaps. Know, which is a perfect segue into <laughs> Nick Robertson. <laughs> oh, so I see. I, I wasn't sure how I wanted to frame the question in the story. And I framed it in a way that the coaching staff probably wouldn't like, which is what kind of opportunity is Nick Robertson going to be given at training camp? And is he going to seize it? They're probably thinking like, we don't have to give him anything. Like he has to kind of come in and seize it. But when you go back to last year at training camp, like he basically just played with fourth liners. Like he wasn't making the team. Like there was very little he could do to actually make the team. And now you look at it. It, it changes a teensy bit, I think, with, with Aston Reese because like he's an NHL forward for sure. Um, but where would you like to see Robertson start camp? Like if you were the coaching staff and like first day of camp, where would you put him? Part of me wants to say with Tavares and Nylander, but I also yeah. don't know if his playing style like fits super well. Hundred percent agree. Those with you. two, yeah. Like yeah. it's just like skating is is kind of where. Yes. He needs to play with with different types of players. So I think he should be in the top 12. I think he should be on the top four lines. I think he should get an opportunity with NHL players. But you're probably not going to play him with Kempf. So then all of a sudden, you know, if you consider the, the Kempf line to be the third line, I wonder if there's a way they can build it so that the Kempf line is kind of like the fourth line, maybe a little bit more than it was last year. And you have a third or a fourth line, whatever you want to call it, that, uh, that could maybe pro- provide some offense. Like two bottom lines that kind of play the same minutes, more or less. Yeah, and we've talked about that in the past, and the Leafs just haven't been able to do it with with the personnel that they've had. Um, 
I wonder who the other center is going to be. Like, do you, I don't like, is Yarncroft going to play center? It's a good uh, question. Godette? I've been wondering about that myself, James, because like Godet's was like my, like on my depth chart, that's where I have Godet. But like, then I'm running through my mind. It's like, well, are Kerfoot, Tavares and Nylander really going to play together again? And if they're not, then you okay, want Kerfoot well, at center? Like, is Kerfoot your fourth line center? Is he your I, third line center? Like, what what are you doing? I think both um, Godet and Yarncroft faceoff wise are quite weak, if I remember correctly. If I remember correctly. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, for what it's and, worth, James, in and this is such a small sample size that it means kind of jack shit. Uh 32 <laughs> and a half <laughs> 32 and a half minutes for Robertson, Neilander, and Tavares. Uh expected goals of about sixty one percent. I don't remember it looking good for what it's worth. And the and only I thing you and, could do is you could have Nylander on the left side and then maybe there's someone you feel interested in putting on the right wing. Like maybe that could you do like an Abe Kubel and Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Or a, a Yarncrock or It's just like so then the question becomes like so down the stretch, James, like obviously we're gonna talk more about Tavares' line mates later. So maybe we should save it. Let's save it. Um I keep let's jumping go back. ahead. I keep ruining it. No, it's the, okay. But but, okay. but I get the question with Robertson is he doesn't really fit on the first line or the second line. No. So you need to, and he doesn't really fit with David Kampf on that line. So there's only one line left that, that makes sense for him. Yeah. And you could build like a fourth line of like Robertson, Godet, and Abe Kubel or something that's kind of energetic and hope that he scores like 10 goals. Like, but like you mentioned, James, like it's like the question of like, foot speed like is is he quick enough like it's funny he's listed at uh in terms of weight a lot more than i thought like how much do you think he weighs or is listed at i don't know 180 yeah 177 and like to me he does not look that big and he doesn't feel that big but he's well, kind of like he's, he's worked on that though right like he's he's been we'll, we'll yeah. see too when when the training camp list comes out i always like looking at the heights and weights and stuff like that because sometimes there's that's that one year, I think it was two years ago, I got that story about Austin Matthews dropping 10 pounds just because I looked at the training camp list and I was like, hmm, he's he's only 210 now. And I think that sometimes with those guys, they can put on five, eight pounds in an offseason, especially younger players. And But I don't know if you want Robertson playing that heavy. I mean, he's, he's not very tall. I wasn't talking about his foot speed to to say that he can't make an impact in the NHL or whatever. You know, I think having watched what he did with the Marlies last year, I you know, I think there is going to be an NHL role for him. I just think that the fit with Tavares is just not ideal. That's the thing with To me, that's honestly, man, that's my question. Like that's about, the, that's usually the gap that separates guys from the AHL to the NHL is is their pace high enough. What about uh, I think it is I think he's going to get there would be my guess. Well, I think he's got he's got NHL caliber shooting. So, For what about sure. is is any part of you think like they've got all these defensive guys especially if Aston Reese signs maybe Engvall should be the the other center? Yep, that's that's something that ran through my mind. Could he be the fourth line center and could your third line be Aston Reese, Camp and Yarncroft or Kerfoot or Abe yeah. Bell? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then your fourth line, then you've got Robertson and Engvall. And so you do have some speed and some size, and it's kind of like a hybrid line. That That's kind of, I think, where I would lean. But they don't need to start training camp that way. I just... It's just, James, to, to counter that, their best third line last year always had Engvall on it. Yeah. It was just so like... But yeah. then the question... But then to your point, like, okay, well, then who do you want to play in that fourth line center spot? Because like, there's not really... Maybe you play Austin Reese there. I don't know. Probably rather him than Godet. 
I, I like the fourth line mix better than last year, but I mean, the one person we haven't talked about is, is Wayne Simmons. So I don't know if he, uh, well, if he James, made it on your intrigue list. Guess what we're talking about next is the fourth line. And that wasn't even like planned. Like you just, we're just on fire to start <laughs> yeah, this, I just, all that uh, time yeah. off. Um, so what kind of shape does the fourth line take? Um, so Simmons is, is one of the questions. So here are like the candidates, I think for the fourth line, Wayne Simmons, Kyle Clifford, I'll, I'll throw in the mix. Like he was in there last year, Joey Anderson, Nick Robertson, Adam Gaudet, Nicholas Abe Kubel, Zach Aston Reese, and then anybody who's going to play higher in case they want to move someone into that center spot. How would you like it to look? How do you think it will look? Well, I think that the cap is going to play an impact here too. I mean, depending on right. what happens with, I know we're going to talk about some of this other stuff later, but depending what happens with Rasmus Sandin's contract, depending on if they, they, they move someone out, uh, the cap could impact whether Wayne Simmons makes the team because he's making 900,000 and the difference between league minimum at 750 and 900,000 could be important. And I think that the thing to keep in mind with, with Robertson that we didn't mention is that he's waiver exempt. He's one of the few forwards that they've got that doesn't have to be on waivers. And I think that's going to work against him. And I think it probably is going to mean, I think it's going to mean that he doesn't make the team initially just because of the flexibility they've got to, to not start him on the NHL roster. And then he'll, he'll be the guy that, that bounces back and forth more than anybody else. But my counter is who are you afraid of losing on waivers? No, that's fair, but I think you like having the flexibility of yeah, just being able to right. push a guy up and down. And 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 Robertson's contract is not much more than league minimum, but it's a little bit. And yep. there's a world where they could be so tight against the cap that that extra. I think Robertson's deal is seven nine six or something like that. So it's like an extra forty six thousand dollars over. But that might matter to start the season, and they might need that that room. You are correct. Seven nine six 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 seven. Um, so we did see something. So I, I think to get back to kind of the original point of like, what is the fourth line going to look like in terms of its shape? There was a pretty notable shift, I would say in that playoff series against Tampa where they started that series and they were like, we're going to have to like, do you remember the phrasing Sheldon Keith used? I can't remember. He was basically saying it's going to be like a war or something. I can't remember. Yeah. I, anyway. And they, they tried to like go tough. Yes. With the they fourth started. Line. Kyle yeah. Clifford and Wayne Simmons both were on the wings um, with Colin Blackwell in the middle. And then obviously Kyle Clifford takes that bad penalty in game one. He's done for the series. Wayne Simmons plays in game two. That goes really bad. He's done for the series. And eventually they get to kind of like versions of like a more skilled fourth line. Well, they basically um, stopped playing the fourth line, right? Like it was down. That too. There were yeah, some that games too. it was like five, six minutes. So that, and that was. That you know, and and I like I said earlier, I I like the personnel better, and I think they're better equipped. If there's a little bit more depth there, uh, they're going to be younger for sure. Uh, well, although, James, to uh, that point, their their fourth line in Game Seven last year, Kasha, Blackwell, Spezza, all gone, and obviously Spezza retired. Blackwell, he was like I liked Blackwell, uh, and Kasha obviously was coming off the injury. Uh, oh, but man, you mentioned where did, where did Blackwell sign? I don't even remember. It was uh, it was Chicago, 1.2 times 2. Oh, okay. So he probably got just a little bit more than the Leafs would have wanted to. Like, it, I'm sure the Leafs would bring him back at 800 or something, but... Yeah, not 1.2. Yeah. That's a good deal for Chicago. I mean, like, they probably, you know... Good raise for him, too, James. Like, he was making 725 last year. 
well, he had a good backstory and he really battled to get to where he was. And yeah, I mean, he was, he would have been fine to bring back on the fourth line. Um, but so to your point, so the, the main question is like, what is the right composition? I honestly, I don't know. Like, I love that we're 20 minutes into our first podcast in months and we've, We've talked about like <laughs> Joey Anderson and the fourth line and the extra forty six thousand dollars on Robertson's contract. That those well, are the. I mean, this is the problem. This with is starting the minutiae, with like the least, man. This is yeah, the podcast. Well, well yeah, I know this is the podcast. We're starting with like we started with the least intriguing, so we're in the weeds. Like as soon as we start, someone hearing the show for the very first time is like, "What the fuck is this?" No, anybody listening to this wants to be in the weeds with us. Um, but so Zach Aston Reese, I, I like. I think. There has to be another shoe, I would think, to drop, or they're just going to do what you said. Like, they'll just well, wave Wayne Simmons and yes. hopefully sign I Zach. Think, like, Zach Aston Reese is unqu- like, he's better than an- almost any of these guys. He Not uh, any of them. He is better than all these guys. I would be surprised if it, it's going to take an injury, I think, for Wayne Simmons to make the team, is my prediction. Well, so how do you, ha- like, how. You've covered the lead long, a long time. Like, how do you think teams, or have you learned anything about how this management regime handles situations like this, where really popular player, well liked, but like clearly just past the point of being able to play every night? Like, what do you like? Do you put a guy like that on waivers? I mean, we saw in the past. I guess they could trade him. I guess I guess they could go to him and say like, "You're you didn't make the team. Where do you want to go?" And they can try and trade him, but. I, I kind of think if Simmons is on waivers, I wouldn't be surprised if someone claims him. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think maybe they do what they did with Jason Spezza, where maybe Simmons, they, I don't know, maybe they say to Simmons, like, we can trade you here, or we can place you on waivers, and like, maybe you just give him the choice? Like, I don't know how you handle that. I wonder if there have been conversations with him already. I'm, I, knowing, knowing, having gotten to know Simmons a little bit better since he's been here, I think he's going to come in and, People are going to ask him these questions. He's going to say, I'm here to make the team and I'm going to battle and I'm going to earn my spot. And like, I, I, I bet yeah. he's come in, but I just, just with the other pieces that they've got, you know, if they sign Aston Reese, I don't, I just don't see a spot for Simmons at 900,000 on this team. Well, be, okay. So let's count like, that's a good point. So you've got Michael Bunting one, you basically got, so three, six, nine. The only wild ten. card, Jonas, is if Sandine doesn't sign, they might have the cap room to have an extra forward for a while. So, like, they maybe they can, maybe Simmons stays if, if yeah. Sandine doesn't get signed. And you know what, James? Like, there's a world where Adam Godet doesn't make the team. Like, that, that, oh, yeah. like no, I a, could see Godet you know? on waivers for sure. Yeah. So there's a world where like their fourth line is Aston Reese, Simmons, and Abe Kubel or something. I don't know, or Robertson in there, like. Well, and there's a world where they get two injuries in preseason yes. and like yeah. we do this, I think we do this every year where it's like, what's the team going to be? And we go through all this and then was it, was it McCabe that got hurt in camp last year? It was. It was and James, yeah, thumb, I got to right? interrupt you. That is our next storyline. This is unbelievable. It's like you're reading. What's the next storyline? Injuries or something? Health. Yeah. Can they say healthy? Because that is a that is the thing that happened to them in the final preseason game. I don't know if you, I don't think you watch the NFL much, if at all. I I don't know. But one very notable. The Dallas Cowboys today. I know that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that's happened in the NFL really this year for the first time and and a little bit last year in the last couple of years is teams have basically said, we're just not going to play guys who matter to us in the preseason. Like if we can avoid it, like a lot of teams 
like those teams, I don't think played anyone in the preseason and there is the chance of rust for sure. But like you're, you're not getting important players getting hurt in completely meaningless games. And so you go back to last year, final sorry exhibition. To, sorry game. to interrupt Jonas, but I think that, that you could see the leaps with more guys on PTOs by the time camp opens next week as, because you need to meet the veteran requirements to play players in the preseason. So I think you could ah, see yes. the Leafs add like another guy or two that is going to help them. And the Leafs have done a pretty good job of resting their NHL players the last couple of years well, in, that the pre- in the would, preseason. Well, that would cancel what the NFL has done because like you mentioned, you have to, what is it, eight or nine guys you have to play every night? Yeah, but the requirements are, you know, it's, I, I think you have to have, it's like 200 it's like, career games or 80 la- or, or eighty in the last two years or something like that. Yeah. That's going to get, this is going to, that's going to change in the next 10 years, I would project. Because like, it's just, it's it, A, it's too many games. But anyway, we don't want to waste time on exhibition games. So health is, is obviously a big thing. And you remember like last year, Austin Matthews was, was still not healthy. Like he was still trying to find his way back from the offseason wrist surgery. So now they don't have that thing. Like you just want to kind of come out of it with everybody feeling okay. No more goalie injuries, right? Yes. Um, so we'll do one more storyline and then we'll take a break. Um, the D, what is the D going to look like? I don't really know. What is most intriguing to you about how the D will shake out? Well, Sandine's one of the other storylines, right? So <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, I'm going to be boring from that. Uh, I think there's, I think there's one combination where they have Sandine and one where they don't, uh, See, I don't. So, I don't know that he, to me, he's not really, like, to me, he well, doesn't really change the overall mix. He, he changes it because they're going to trade. I, I think they, they have to move salary out to sign Sandy. And, and I'm looking at what the roster looks like. It's got to be Hall. It'd be the guy that gets moved. It has to be. Right. I see what you're saying. Well, yeah. So, the so D is I, different I, if they have Sandy and if they don't. I'm just saying that if, if, if it's Sandine, it's Sandine playing with Giordano. I think. And if it's if he's not there, it's Hall playing with Giordano. I think. Like I think the more the most interesting question is do you play TJ Brody with Jake Muzzin again? Like is that the way you mm-hmm. go? And if you don't, like what are you doing? I kind of think do, you have to. Like I don't really know that they have a, a great choice. I think they have to do that. If you do, then who plays with Riley is the big question. And that's right? the other question. And I think the answer to that is Lilligren, because I don't they've never like for some reason, Sheldon Keefe has never wanted to play Justin Hall with Morgan Riley. That's never happened. Sandine played with Riley for like one game and it went terribly. <laughs> I, I could still see them doing that eventually at some point in the future, but like not now. So it's like, okay, well, what are you, what are you doing? So do you like that mix? Let's say their pairs are Riley Lilligren, Muzzin Brody, Giordano, Sandine slash Hall. Do you like that? That's fine. I mean, I'm not... It, it doesn't. It doesn't You're really. Not doing backflips. No, it doesn't. It doesn't excite me. I think their D is is fine. Is you know. I think they're. It, it's hard to know what uh, what Muzzin's going to be really. Yes. You, you know there there were times last year where he did not look good at all, and then you know he was he was solid in the playoffs, and so I feel a lot better about their D if. It, it's such an interesting thing because it someone's going to have to move to the right side and. You know, the Leafs have made noise that they like Sandine better on on the left side. And like, I, I wonder, and I can't remember if we talked about this in the last podcast, but I wonder if Giordano plays on the right side. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, he's, I mean, he's historically been a left 
shooting defenseman. I I'm I would think if they went to him in the the start of the offseason and said like would you be amenable to playing the, the right side? I I would think he'd be like, yeah, sure. Um yeah, I don't know. That's that's a that's a really good question. I think the Muzzin thing uh we talked about it before. That's a humongous question. Like can he get through the season healthy? Does he look okay? Like does he show signs of decline like he did? for most of last year like he really only looked great or or very good or like himself at the end when he started to play with Brody like there were some okay stretches with Justin Hall but like they are gambling with not trading him in the summer for sure and I know what their logic is well like if we trade him like how are we going to replace him but that's a sometimes that's not the right question to ask like that's the question that they asked when they signed Dion Phaneuf to that big contract. Well, it's like, well, if we don't sign him, how are we replacing him? Well, I don't know. So that makes me a little uneasy for them. Yeah. I mean, I think Muzzin's probably, other than like what's going on with Sandine, Muzzin's the biggest question on the blue line for me. It's, but for you sure. need You need four guys that can play 20 plus minutes. Riley's obvious. Brody's obvious. And then the other two are, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I, I would scale Muzzin back to under 20 and play Giordano under 20. I would just kind of play a lot of those bottom four guys close to even, but yeah, but that's not like, can you name a team around the league that, that deploys its defense like that? Like it's, it's really moved to most teams. It's either a four or a five man group that play like 19 plus minutes. And then you often just because of the cap and everything, there's often maybe the Leafs are, Constructed a little bit differently, but I don't know. Like, would it bother you if like Hall or Sandine, Lilgren, Giordano, Muzzin all played like I don't know similar minutes with Muzzin and Giordano playing a little bit more? I don't know. Anyway, interesting, 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 interesting. What I if, mean, the other, the other yeah, go ahead. Jonah, I'm just thinking out loud. What if Giordano's on the left side and plays some with Riley? Giordano. Sorry, so Riley. Sorry, Gi- sorry, Giordano's on the right side. Sorry, and plays some with Riley. I mean, in theory, I like that because I would trust that pairing more than I would trust a Riley Lilligren pairing. But like, it's kind of like a really good skating guy with kind of a slower. But it's like you're asking a guy who's literally, to my knowledge, played the left side like his entire career to be like, I don't know. Okay, I'm just now to, right. yeah, no, I'm think outside to make the, the box. Fit. <laughs> James, like one of the things I do before camp every year is I'm I try to think of like what is Sheldon Keith going to do that like. I'm not expecting and I've been thinking a lot about the forward lines and like is there something he's going to do that I'm that's going to catch me off guard another good question is the D like is there something is Riley going to play the offside or like what what are they going to do I don't know um to give them the best D because like TJ Brody is just I mean ideally you're playing him with Riley like that pair has been pretty good when they've played together but then it's like who are you playing with Muzzin I don't know Muzzin Giordano well, what about Muzz, this? One of the things, Muzz, Muzz about, and Riley. <laughs> so the problem I'm just going to give you every combination possible. One of the things I was contemplating, and I think it's in one of the stories I'm working on, is what about Giordano Brody? But then it's like, well, what do you do with the rest of the defense? I don't, I don't know. I mean, what you could do in that construction is basically say we're going to use Jake Muzzin basically in lighter minutes for most of the season. I was surprised they didn't try Giordano Brody. Like the the bear, it, we we saw it like only a little tiny bit, right? 
Well, they didn't really have opportunity, remember, because of the injuries. They had to play Brody on the left side a whole bunch. Like, Muzzin didn't play, like, remember? And then Muzzin came back, and they basically decided we have to play Brody with Muzzin because, yeah. We need what about there. what about Jordy, Ben, and Victor Mete? Well, I'm glad you mentioned them. They're, I just think they're the, what is it, 8-9? Well, if they trade Hall, they're 7-8. Seven, 7-8, eight. Seven, eight, yeah. And Ben, I think, would be seven. Ben can. Play I like both. Ben. I think he's a perfect like extra defenseman. He's he's slowed down, but he, yeah, he's he's like a seven at this point. He's a veteran guy. Uh, can play left or play right, which is a good thing to have in a seventh defenseman. One thing that I think we need to keep in mind is the cap. One of the things on your list. It the is cap? James. Okay. Wow. All right. All well, so then. stop I'll there. That is that's our first storyline coming out of the break. <laughs> Nice tease, James. We'll be right back uh, and talk about the cap. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. Before uh, we got a few more storylines and then we'll get to the pod bag. Um, The cap. How are the Leafs going to get out of the cap? Explain it in two minutes or less. Well, it depends what Sandine signs for. That's what I don't know. But I, you know, I think that there are scenarios where he, they could sign him to the Lilgren contract and they they'd be fine. Uh, they'd be tight for sure, but but it's possible. Uh, alternatively, they could sign him to a one year deal that's going to be less than the Lilgren contract. So you know, I don't know if that's a million or nine hundred thousand or or what it is, but um, I think those are really the two options. Um, and I think in both scenarios they would have to trade somebody. I believe. Um, you know, it probably would be Justin Hall. The reason in in the last segment why I started thinking about the cap is, you know, often, most of the time, almost all the time, NHL teams don't like to go with a 20-man roster. Go with, like, that's the absolute bare minimum because when you go on the road, especially when you're on a long road trip, you're playing with fire by doing that. You get a defenseman mm-hmm. that gets hurt in the morning skate or just before, you know, in the it gets sick during the afternoon or something like that, you might have to play the game with five defensemen. So... Often what you see and what the Leafs have done the last couple of years is is they like to have either a 21 or a 22-man roster. They're so tight against the cap, I can't see them carrying 22 players. So they're probably going to have seven defensemen. So if what happens is they do re-sign Sandine and they trade Hall, they're going to need another seventh defenseman. And that's going to mean either – it's probably going to be Ben. I, I would assume it's going to be Ben. He's going to go on the road trips. He's going to be there in case of injuries. He's going to play – the second game of a back, back-to-back sometimes. Um, so the Leafs are going to need enough cap space to have that league minimum contract, that $750,000 on on the roster and carry 21 players. And 
that's when things get get really really tight and that's when it matters whether Wayne Simmons makes the team or whether Nick Robertson makes the team or how much Aston Reese signs for and it might sound crazy because you know those players only make you know like I said Robertson only makes 46 grand more than league minimum and uh, Simmons only makes $150,000 more than league minimum. And we're, you know, there's the talk is that Aston Reese would sign for around 800, which is only 50 grand more than the league minimum, but it's probably going to matter with how tight the Leafs are going to be. And with the fact that they're probably going to want to carry, they're not going to want to go all the way down to a 20 man roster. I think that's a really good point. Um, but so let me ask you this then, don't you need to kind of wait until the end of training camp to, to make that kind of move? Like if you're going to trade Hall? Uh, yeah, yeah, and you need to you need Sandine to have signed because if yes. that's that that's kind of like your that works in the Leafs' favor here because if if the stalemate with Sandine drags into the season, you just keep all and you just like I don't know because no one in the front office is going to tell us that, the, but that makes a lot of sense logically to me that they're holding on to Hall to see what happens with Sandine and maybe there's a move in their back pocket where they can trade Hall or. I guess they could waive him. I've had people ask if they could. I, I, I doubt it. My guess is they have some sort of a trade that they could trade Hall for a fifth round pick or something at some point if they needed to. Well, I'm, yeah. I mean, at least with waivers, did, he would get claimed, I would think. Like your right shot defenseman not making much. He would get claimed, I would think. Yeah. I, I think that that's probably accurate. There's there's a few teams out there looking for a right shot D. The Montreal, for, for example, and, 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 you know, there are teams around the league that, that like Hall, although the caveat to that is I know the Leafs talked to teams last November because I heard from other teams that and the Leafs were kind of offering Hall around and there there wasn't a trade that was made. So his value, like I don't think anyone should get really excited about what his potential trade value is going to be. Do you think he's their seventh best defenseman? I think it's probably close with him and yeah. some of the other, some of the other guys. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but in the case of Lilgren and Sandine, for sure, you need to. Yeah, you need to play them. You got to think about the future, and you got to think about you know the upside their development. The other thing too is Hall's in the last year of his deal. You're not going to be. You're not going to resign him after that. Well, so let me ask you another question. I'll ask this a a different way because you and I have talked about this. So obviously, when they sign Zach Aston Reese, you're like, well, that's weird. That's kind of weird. Like they have a lot of forwards, sort of. Like some of them are real question marks. Like so as much as they have a lot of names, they're not like a lot of like surefire guys. But you start thinking, okay, well, if they have to clear space, would you rather just trade Kerfoot? And I know that's a popular conversation. I think it's really complex in terms of like his value to the Leafs, his value to other teams at that price. But would you rather have Hall at two million or would you rather have Kerfoot at three and a half. I don't know if that's a, a fair way to ask it, but do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, which- yeah, I mean, that was the debate that the last story that I wrote was that they're going to have to trade one of those guys, like basically. And it seemed like when I was on Twitter, anytime when I was on vacation in August, that Kerfoot's name was was trending like every day in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, some of the, the blogs and the rumor sites and stuff that were writing stories in the summer were like talking about the, 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 the one reason, and the thing to keep in mind is that it, it has never gotten out that the Leafs have been shopping Kerfoot. I've never heard from another team that he's been offered around or anything like that. Uh, I think that the Leafs front office values Kerfoot more than the general fan base does. As does the and coaching I, staff. 
Yeah, and I think that there's some of there's like the backlash from what happened in it was Game Six, right, where Kerfoot took, or was it Game Seven? He made a couple mistakes in that series that really cost them. But there was one game where he took the penalty on Hedman and and had the the turnover. I forget mm-hmm. if it was Game Six or Game Seven. That's why I keep notes. I'd have to go back and check my notes. Anyway, he he was the goat in one of those pivotal games. He made a couple of mistakes. I, I want to say it was Game Seven because I think it was at home. Anyway, it doesn't it doesn't particularly matter. I actually and think so, one of them was I, on the road because I remember he was. Well, it was the same game, there. Jonas. He made he made he took a penalty against Hedman like a high stick in in the corner. He was like battling with him and was too aggressive. And he also had the the first goal against, which was a pivotal goal. In uh, that's why I think it was Game Seven. The, was was Kerfoot's drop pass to nobody. So I think anyway, all of that is to say that. Some of the backlash against Kerfoot, some of the reason why people want him traded is not only that he makes three and a half, not only that he's in the last year of his contract, but also he just made some mistakes in that playoff series that that really bothered people in the fan base, and as they should. I mean, you know, everyone's desperate for a playoff series win, and but I, I think that the Leafs front office and the coaching staff try to view things a little bit with a little bit wider scope and. They look at the year that he had. They they view him as kind of a Swiss Army knife. You can play him on the second line. You can play him at center. You can play him on the wing. You can he's emerged as a pretty good penalty killer. You can play him on the second power play, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Had fifty one points last year, mostly at even strength. There's a lot of things they like about Kerfoot, and that conversation we had off the top about are they weaker up front? I think the answer is probably yes if you trade Kerfoot, uh, while acknowledging that there are some interesting players that are still unsigned out there in free agency, nobody's going to be as good as Kerfoot. So, yeah, and like, there's a chance, like, I mean, you could keep Hall, and like, he might not play. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, two million is a lot to have sitting on the on the bench. Yeah, I think Kerfoot. Kerfoot like, I wrote about him in Yarncroc after the Yarncroc signing. Eventually, um, I think he's become a little bit underrated. I don't know that he's – I just think what everything you mentioned, all those different things he can do is valuable. I don't know that it aligns totally, obviously, with what he makes, but I don't think it's like – we've talked about this before, I think. It's not like he's drastically overpaid. Like, you saw what some forwards in free agency got. Like, Are you talking about Kerfoot or Yarncroft? Kerfoot. Okay. Although some of the, the, the price on, on forwards has now come down, where it's like Paul Stasny's getting 1.2 and – yeah. Evan Rodriguez is getting two, but like, yeah, I mean, I can understand well, it viewed from that Aston perspective. Reese is getting less than I'm sure he was hoping for, right? Like, I think there's going to yeah. be, there's going to be some, like Sonny Milano hasn't signed. There's going to be some bargain bin buys here where players are, are getting anxious and agents are getting anxious and it's coming down to where they just got to find a home. And I know there's been, there's been criticism of the yarn croc signing, just, you know, the term, uh, the fact that he's, he's getting older, the fact that he didn't have an amazing season last year. You know, I've seen flames fans say like, like they acquired yarn croc at, at the deadline and he didn't really contribute much, uh, no. in Calgary. So flames fans are saying like, Oh, like this, this is someone you're counting on. Um, but I, I, I always liked yarn croc in, in Nashville. So the question for me, and I'm going to have to see him in training camp and preseason and early in the year, is how much of that player that he was in Nashville is still there. Yeah, so one of the things I, I've been thinking about with him is like, number one, it's hard. It's harder than we think sometimes to get traded. Like it sometimes like it's just hard to come to a new team in March and like fit, find your place. And then the other thing, it's like he spent 
the rest of the season in Seattle, expansion team. So his numbers, like you look at some of the underlying numbers, they look worse. But it's like, yeah, well, he's playing yeah. for a bad team. It's like, so like. And he produced offensively in Seattle, like relative to. Yeah, 12 he, goals, 26 points in 49 games. Mostly even playing strength. Playing a lot, though. Playing a lot. Yeah. Mostly even strength. Mostly without great linemates. Mostly on a really bad team. I don't know. I, we'll see what, what he brings and if, if that contract ends up. I, I just know like you know, on the analytical side of things, a lot of people are skeptical of that deal. All right. Well, let's move on because he can be part of this conversation. How, how many do we have left, Jonas? How many more intriguing? Three. Plot? We got three. We're going to have to speed it up a little bit here. For uh, Okay. We go, well, we got to get the, so some of these 68 questions that we have to answer. You got it. All right. Who plays with John Tavares? Uh, <laughs> I don't Should know. Just, what, yeah. what about let, let me? What about Engvall there? Mm, I don't like that. No. So what would I mean, you do? You're you're that that's like the kind of thing that would surprise me. Like Keith just does that on the first day of camp, and I'm like, what the hell? Well, I kind of liked when Engvall's out there with Nylander. It seems like they have a little bit of like Swedish chemistry. Yeah. I so I mean, is there is there a possible? Is it possible that they start with what that? That line that they played at times down the stretch, Camp, Engvall, Neander, and then no, no, play. No, no. no, I was thinking about bumping Eng- Engvall up the lineup. I don't. I can't. I mean, maybe. I, he's well, just, I just look at the other options. I mean, I I don't want to go back with Kerfoot there again. Like I think, like we've seen, we've seen that movie many times. I I mean, so wouldn't wouldn't option one be Yarncroft to play with Tavares and Neander? I guess you could try it. But again, he's not like the fastest guy in the world, so I don't know if that's like the stylistic fit. The thing I like with Engvall was kind of evolving more into like a battle in the corners guy in the playoffs, good defensively, fast, a little bit better offensive tools. It's interesting. I never thought of that. It's it's an interesting idea. He gives them a little bit, he gives them a lot more speed. Um, I just think offensively, I know. There are limits to what he is, right? Like he's I, he's very straight. Yeah, you know, right? But like but, when you build a line, sometimes you know you need some like different parts in a stew, and that's just something when I've been like noodling around with the roster and stuff. That's like, well, then I might try that. Yeah, it's like how do you build a line with Tavares and Neander that works, or, or do you break them up? Like, is there any world where you break them up? Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, maybe you maybe you try to do what they did in the second half, where you play Neander with like Kampf and Engvall, and then you play Tavares with Kerfoot and Yarncroft or something like that, and try to build like kind of like some worker bees around Tavares. Like that has kind of worked, but like I don't love it. It kind of takes away the function of both lines. So I don't know. Like the Tavares thing is is so interesting. Like I, I'm. Really curious to see what they do with him, how they support him. Like they, they need that line to be better than it was for most of last season, right? Like, you and that's why you can't a, do yeah. you can't run back the same group of players together unless they have some sort of like tactical change they're going to make or something. I think yeah. whatever change they could have made to make Kerfoot, Tavares, and, and Neilander work, they would have done by now. Yeah. Like part of me in like the very back of my mind is like, is it possible they're going to play someone else in that center spot that I'm not thinking of? I don't think so, Jonas. I I don't think so. I think your idea of moving Tavares to the wing is dead. 
for this I, season. Well, 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 for the season, I don't know about that. For now, I think you're probably right. It's like like I go through the the options in my head. It's like, well, Keith never wants to play Nealander at center. We've seen that. He's we've done the Kerfoot thing at center, and he's not an upgrade over Tavares. Well, Engvall's not. <laughs> you just there's just nobody there. Anyway, I'm I'm curious to see what they do with what, Tavares. What are the last two that we've got here for training camp storylines? Well, I mean, goaltending has to be one of them. Let me see if I can. The well, other one's you Sandine, mentioned, I guess. Yeah, Sandine so let's start with Sandine, Sandine is number two. Sandine is number two. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on Sandine. So, I, I, and there are going to be questions about it too in the question pile. So I think we should keep this one short because I think we're going to talk more about Sandine next week. Um, okay. And well, we talked the, about the biggest- it on the last podcast, right? Like kind of just, you know, there's like, there's historical baggage. Yeah. His camp doesn't want to, doesn't seem to want to sign the little grin contract. Doesn't really have a lot of leverage because there's no there's no arbitration rights or anything like that. Um, and I kind of wonder. My guess is he's not going to be at training camp on the first day. Well, if he's not signed, he definitely isn't. Well, th- that's what I'm saying. Is I, yeah. my guess is that he's not going to be signed. Oh, I see. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to drag, and whether or not it drags into the regular season, we'll see. Because when it does, all of a sudden there's capital implications of that. If it does, all right. Number one is Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov. Can these guys get off to a good start? Like they they're under tons of pressure. Matt Murray, especially. You just don't want anything Although, really to go wrong, right? Like not, just not to not to interrupt you, but like it seems like no one thinks he's going to be good. So maybe he's not under that much pressure. Like I like Jack Campbell in Edmonton probably has more pressure. Oh, he definitely does. Well, does he definitely? No, he doesn't. That's like, it's Toronto, man. Yeah, but it's Toronto and like he's making a lot for what he's been the last couple of years. Um, I just think, I think Murray just has to be like, like if he's like just okay and has like a 908 save percentage and like the Leafs score a lot of goals, I think everyone's gonna be like, man, this is fine. The more I think about it, the more I think that's terrible. That's what I think is going to happen, James. Like the more I thought about it, um, I, I, I still don't like the trade, the way it all shook out, what was retained and everything like that. But I, I kind of think that that's probably what's going to happen is he's just, he's fine. Like they're just such a good team that they just need. Okay. I guess then the other question is like, can he stay healthy? And that's going to be a thing in training camp. Like he hasn't played since March. He missed the last chunk of the year with a concussion. So that's like the other thing is like, can he stay healthy? And then Samsonov, like I have, like I, I think he'll probably just be fine, like nine oh five or something, you know. Yeah, and then the backup situation and the number three goalie situation, like there, there's there's nothing with the goaltenders, and the, the, the goalies are going to be such a big spotlight all year, certainly early in the season, certainly through training camp. Yep. Like I, there's a world where Samsonov comes out, Samsonov, 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 Samsonov. There's a world where I can't not think of the Samsonov that played for Boston. Like that's just the yeah, I the, love that guy. <laughs> um, there's a world where he's the better goalie. Like maybe he's the maybe he outplays Murray in training camp, and like you know, Samsonov's got the pedigree of of being a high pick. He's had some stretches where he's played good games. Um, you know, with him, it's it's been a question of of maturity. A question of, I mean, I think that, you know, there could be potentially, uh, trying to think of the right way to phrase it. I was going to say like injury concerns with him, but that might not be just like in terms of, uh, his stamina and his ability to play a lot of games. There's, there's some question marks around conditioning. him. Conditioning. That's yeah. the right. Yeah. There's been conditioning concerns with him in the past. 
Uh, does he come to training camp ready to ready to rock? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a world where the goaltending is a complete mess, but there's also a world where it's like both guys are are fine, and it's not uh, it's not like everything's on fire. Yeah, it's pretty. I, like I think it's pretty easy to look at the early part of the schedule and see how it's going to shake out. Like Murray will play, assuming he's healthy, the opener in Montreal. The next night they play Washington. Samsonov, easy home game, former team. Then they play in Ottawa, Murray. Then they play Arizona, Murray. And then they probably play Samsonov against Dallas, Murray, and Winnipeg. Like, do you think they should mostly split, or do you think they should look at what happens in preseason and training camp and decide that? Or like, I, I, I think uh, probably the intention going into the year is it's going to be like forty-five games for Murray and thirty-five for Samsonov. Yeah, like Murray's never played more than fifty games, so I would think that that's the topper. Like, that's the most they're going to play him. Um, and that's probably the most they should play him. So something like that, 60-40 split kind of thing would be my guess. It's tough with it's tough with goalies for us to analyze because like, I mean, who knows, right? Like But man, like their their number one priority in training camp has to be that Matt Murray is healthy. That's it. Aside from the Sandine thing resolving, but like that's the only thing I mean, not the only thing. They just want to get a healthy Overall, but Murray is like the number one. I think Jake Muzzin would be like the number two just based on what happened last year. But we'll see. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes because that's like Dubas's big, that was his big bet of the offseason is trading for Matt Murray. Yeah, I guess probably worst case scenario is he gets hurt and then you got Samsonov and like Shalgren or something. Yes, that's not good. All right, let's take a break and let's get to the pod bag. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James, it is pod bag time. The first one in a long time. Shout out to all the restaurants out there in Toronto that we love to visit. 
You know, I, I can't remember if I've talked about some podcasts or not. One thing that I do now more than I used to is I tip much better when nice, I nice James. When I go that to makes a me happy. Yeah. What I changed your mind? Oh, I just I don't know. I, uh, it's been a, lo- a long haul for those folks, and I think it just makes you appreciate good service and yeah. So. In general, the service workers have, I mean, everyone's been through a grind with the pandemic and everything, but, you know, you value a, a good meal and everything. And, uh, you know, those people are, uh, are putting in long hours. I worked at a restaurant briefly and I was terrible at it and I didn't last very long. So kudos to the, it's just, it, the pace is, is, it's not easy work. So no. And some customers are not what you would oh, say man. easy. Man. Yes. Yeah, we like when I was on vacation, we were in hotels and eating at restaurants and stuff. And some of the patrons, the way they treat people is just, it's not right. So, no. Uh, okay. The first question, first question says, it doesn't, I don't want us to debate this first part. So let's not get into this debate. But the first okay. question says, it doesn't matter if Tavares is a center or a winger, they have good personnel. What adjustments do you think the Leafs need to make to their style of play to break through the first round? Do you think that Sheldon Keefe changes anything? Does he change approach or, or anything like that? Do you, do you are you expecting uh, are you expecting any uh, stylistic changes to the Leafs playbook? I, I mean, I'm sure there are going to be some, but we don't know what they're going to. We need to see training camp before we know for sure. I mean, how much do you change from a 115 point team that lost by a goal to the two time champs? Like. You change something because like it was still short. Like there are little things like we talk about that line. And like the reason we talk about that line is like that line was not a positive producer for them. We talk about their fourth line that was not a positive producer for them. I think the power play is like kind of sneaky interesting for me. I know you, you love when I use sneaky, but like no one's like the power play. Do you change what you're doing on that number one unit? Because for the second year in a row, maybe the third year in a row, I can't even remember that unit got worse as the season went along and then was not helpful in the playoffs to the point that they changed it in the playoffs. So like, do you do something different with that unit? Do you use a different person at the point? Do you, I don't know. I I don't think they're going to break it up. Like it was the number one power. It was, did it finish number one? Yeah. Finished number one, but it became a problem again. Like, so those are little things that I'm kind of looking for. Uh, What about you? I think that, the deployment of the third and fourth line is yeah. pro- is going to look a little bit different. And I think they want to have more confidence in, in both of those lines that they can play them in tough minutes. So I think that that's going to be something to watch for. I don't know if that's exactly what this person is looking for. I mean, but like you said, I mean, they had a good season. I liked what they did on the penalty kill last year. It was a big improvement over what they had done previously. Yeah, big uh, change. But it, it's an interesting question. I think it's probably a worthwhile question to Sheldon Keefe if, if there's anything like tactically that he feels like the team needs to change. Well, let me ask you in this. Order to, you- in order to prefer, prepare better for the playoffs, which is really where the, where the question was going. Well, we talked about Tavares a little bit, but would you consider like driving up his ozone starts even higher? So last year he finished with an offensive zone start percentage of 57%, which is high. But like you look well, back to- his, used to get 75%. Well, Back Look at his day. Islander years, James, 61, 62, 69, 64, 65. I think, now, I that's think, complicated by the fact that he was the number one center and they have a different mm-hmm. number one center here, but go ahead. Yeah, I think that 
the things you have to balance in thinking, it's easy to say yes, but the things you have to balance, do you trust the third and fourth line to start in the D zone? And are you okay with burning some of Matthews, Marner, Bunting in the D zone? Yeah. I mean, that's part of why it isn't at 75% because that would mean all of a sudden the Matthews line is starting in the D zone and that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're starting in the D zone more than they otherwise would have. What was Matthews' zone start last year? Do you have that? I think he was like 59 off the top of my head, but here Yeah, so like they're trying to use him as a weapon in the offensive zone more frequently. As they should. But I mean, maybe you build that fourth line with that in mind. Like maybe Matthews was 62%. So maybe you build that fourth line where it's like it's Abe Kubel, it's Aston Reese, and it's like Joey Anderson. I don't know. And then you just bury those guys and bury Camp and I don't know. Okay, Jonas, we got like 15 minutes max. And okay. we have 68 questions and we've answered one. Okay. Well, <laughs> we don't want to answer them shitty just because we want to get through a lot. Just, like just, <laughs> uh, We're out of practice here. We'll have to save some of the good questions. And uh, Jack wants to know, are there notable PTOs that may come to camp? I mean, we don't have the names. The, the agents and the players are deciding on where they're going to go on their PTOs like now. And those will, you, those will get decided over. Aston Reese and, and DeKaiser went, uh, did you go to, was it Vancouver where DeKaiser went on a PTO? There's a bunch of PTOs that have been coming out. Yep. Uh, I wonder if the Leafs might have a goalie on a PTO in case there's uh, an injury. Um, I think yeah. that, that could be potentially something that they do. I don't have, I don't have the names on the top of my, I would be surprised if there's a defenseman because there's not really any holes on the blue line. Um, unless it's like more like a Marley's kind of guy that comes on a PTO. And I could also see another forward just because there's some interesting UFA forwards still out there. So, but my guess is maybe potentially a, a third goalie kind of candidate. Yeah, I like that. Eric wants to know, what do you think the Leafs are planning to do with Wayne Simmons? Uh, he says he simply lacks the wheels to contribute at his age. Will Dubas be a bad guy? for once and wave him. I James, like I've thought a lot about this and if I were them, I would go into this saying we are going to give him a chance to show that he can still play with the idea that our thinking is that he can't. And if he proves us wrong, great. But if he doesn't, then we have to like, we can't just keep him. Like they can't afford to keep him. Like you pointed out before, right? It depends what Sandine signs for, really. I mean, they can. They, if Sandine's not in the picture, they can afford to keep him because it's only he only makes 150 more than league minimum. So, but you know, there's there's a world where that 150 matters a lot. And well, but are, are you keeping him to like? What are you keeping him for? Like, is he going to yeah. play? Is he just going to be a 13th forward? Like, if you're just keeping him just to keep him, like I don't. I don't yeah, know. yeah. My prediction is that he doesn't make the team, barring an injury up front. So whether that is a trade somewhere else or he retires or he goes to the, he clears waivers. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Mark wants to know, are either Kerfoot and Hall gone by the end of camp? And if so, who my, I would put my money on Hall. Uh, And he asks, is there still a chance they add someone like uh, Evan Rodriguez or uh, Sonny Milano? Rodriguez signed this morning with uh, Colorado uh, Milano is still searching. The only way I could see that working is if, like, I feel like Milano's going to be able to get more money elsewhere. Even, you know, I don't think they're going to trade Kerfoot. Even if you trade Hall, most of Hall's money is going to go to Sandine. 
and and to carrying a seventh defenseman. There's not going to be a lot of extra money for a forward. There might be a little bit, though. Well, I mean, you might be able to afford like a million dollar guy. Yeah, but what if James, you said we're going to trade Kerfoot inside Milano, like just theoretically? But I, yeah, I know. I mean, that's what we talked about in in July. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I would be surprised if that happens. Yeah, me too. I think that was on the table as an option. But if you were going to do that, wouldn't you have done that in the summer? Like, why would you wait until a few days before training camp to make a trade like that? And agreed. uh, Curtis says, finish the sentence. Nick Robertson makes the Leafs out of camp because. Because he has an awesome training camp. Like yeah. He, he looks a great, great preseason or, or, or there's injuries. I mean, I think one or two forward injuries and all of a sudden it's much more realistic that he makes the team. Yeah. Remember or, or Aston Reese signed somewhere else. I mean, that's still on the table. Yeah, for sure it is. Well, do you remember at that training camp, uh, I'm sure you've burned it from your memory. The training camp uh, in the bubble where he came in and made the team. I don't remember if he had the best camp. Like, I think he was, I think it was more about Engvall not having a good camp. And it's like, well, who else are we going to play? Like this guy they really wanted some to offense score. too. Down yeah. We need up, someone right? who can maybe score. And like, he did score in one of those games. So I don't know. Like this, if, if I'm him, I'm thinking this is my shot. This is my chance to, to make the team and play in the NHL for good. <laughs> James asks, do we really know anything new since your last podcast? And then there, 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 someone, uh, Tristan responds, he says nothing, but the jackals on here demand content. So James <laughs> will do it. James will do his best. Expect some movie talk. Oh, we should talk some movies. You and I talked a lot of movies when we saw each other last. Anything you've seen recently that you'd recommend? Hmm. I, I saw that uh, everything everywhere all at once with my wife a That's few days ago. That's supposed to be very good. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I know uh, her. And, and uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but do you remember the, uh, the, the character who was the kid in Goonies and also in uh, Indiana Jones? Uh, what was that one? You're not talking about- yeah, Temple of Doom. Temple, no, Temple of Doom. He was short round in, uh, in Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. I, I like that movie, but I saw it when I was young. So like, so that actor, he like, left acting for like whatever 20 25 years and he's in everything everywhere all at once and he's he's the husband and he's fantastic and i it's really cool wow. to see someone like did, what about goonies have you seen goonies no i tried to watch that once that's not for me i tried oh. but he's like a beloved character like a character actor as a kid and then he left acting for a long period of time i think he was in like behind the scenes kind of with movies and stuff for a long time and then he's oh, he's cool. in this movie as one of the co-stars and he's fantastic and so I recommend that movie's weird, but I, I like Michelle Michelle Yeoh, uh, yeah, and uh, and 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 he's fantastic too. And I'm trying to think, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in the movie. She's kind oh, of wow. like a, she's like a villain, so it's uh, it's very strange, but it's good. Good recommendation. I like that. I was watching last night. I was watching the new Thor movie. I only got halfway through it, and I had to go to bed, but that was entertaining as well. Okay. All right. Uh, Brian says, uh, who will exceed expectations? And he's got a list here. Who will exceed expectations? Uh, he says, Robertson, Lilgren, Engvall, Hall, Matthews, Murray. I don't know how Matthews could exceed expectations. <laughs> what would he do? Score 70 goals? Matthews can only go down. I, I don't see, I don't know if there's anywhere for him to improve from what he did last year. I would uh, put, I, yeah, I think you Murray, would. I think yeah, Murray could exceed expectations because expectations are so low. 
Um, of that list that he gave us, I don't, there's no one there that I feel like, I, I guess it's possible Lilgren exceeds expectations, although I think he set the bar pretty high last year. No, I think he's a candidate. I, I think, I don't know that his season was as like, I mean, he was scratched 20 times and he was also not in the lineup for most of the playoffs. Like he had a good, like he had a solid rookie year, but like, I don't know. I, I think he, he would be the other candidate because like there's a really good chance he's playing with Morgan Riley. And if he's playing with Morgan Riley, he's going to have to play better than I think he did last year when he got those opportunities. Like he, he's interesting. Like they gave, they gave him a two year contract. Like if he can play well in that kind of role, kill penalties, produce offensively a bit, like that's, that's good value for them potentially. Yeah. I just feel like he had a good season and I don't see him taking another big leap, but maybe I'm wrong. Jason says, can you whip up some creative trade scenarios besides Hall and Kerfoot to become cap compliant? I mean, what else would they trade? That's what I, so I, I looked at that There's the other else. day. It's like, so, okay, so you go through the forwards. Okay, well, Bunting, I mean, Matthews, Martin, no. at the end of the season was maybe Muzzin, but, you know, I was told by good sources that Muzzin wasn't going anywhere. So. But it's like, so James, like, even consider another forward to trade, like, Engvall, no. Camp no. Yarncock, they just signed. Abe Kubel, they just signed. Godet, like, has no value. Robertson, no. Aston Reese, PTO. Simmons, no. Like, wh- who are you trading? <laughs> you know it what I mean? Like, you it just, doesn't make any sense. There's, yeah. there's, there's very, and, and if they're keeping Kerfoot, it has to be Hall. It has to be. Yeah. Unless, yeah. Because it's not Riley. It's not Lilligren. It's not Muzzin. It's not Brody. It's not Giordano. Sa- I mean, in theory, James, like, they could trade Sandine. Yeah, but that doesn't free up that much room. I mean, they're they're no. they're tight. So, I mean, in theory, they could trade anybody. In theory, they could trade Matt Murray, but I <laughs> I don't think anyone should hold their breath for that one. Yeah. Uh, maybe they bring in a goalie on a PTO, and he's amazing, and they trade Samsonov, and then that frees up a million bucks. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, it seems likely. <laughs> Which <laughs> well, goalies, said, I wonder if... He said creative trade scenarios, so... Let's see if there are any goalies available. No, the UFA goalie market is. I think your name might be on it. Uh, Cat Friendly has six guys who played in the last who played in the league last year. One of them, James, our old friend Garrett Sparks. Yeah, he's got KHL written all over him. Yeah. Uh, Andrew says, "Is there something wrong with me for thinking the goaltending will be perfectly fine?" There's nothing wrong with you. I mean, you're just. You're optimistic. That's that's good. Goaltending be- is such a crapshoot. Like, would it like be shocking if Matt Murray had like a nine fifteen save percentage? Is really good. Well, there's it would be surprising. So a, it wouldn't be shocking. It feels like there's a lot of like the commentary in in Toronto around the Leafs is like very negative and negatively focused on Kyle Dubas. But I'm reluctant to pile on because it might work. I mean, you know, like. They got two goalies that they're making a bet on, and like they just need one of them to be competent. Well, no, they need both of them to be competent. Well, but one I, at least to be more than competent. One can be like a little bit subcompetent, and they'd be okay. <laughs> the backup like can just be like, you know, whatever, mediocre. Like, like if Jonas one, Enroth, kind of. If, if one guy's no, <laughs> poor Jonas Enroth. <laughs> The only, thing Mike Babcock, the only thing Mike Babcock wanted in his goalies was for them to be big, and they bring in Jonas <laughs> Enroth, who was listed at 5'10", but there is no chance that guy is 5'10". 
No. I remember I did a story. I was at the newspaper then, and I did a story about how the Leafs had the biggest goalie and the smallest goalie. And they had the biggest... Because <laughs> Anderson was... I think at the time was the biggest goalie or one of the biggest goalies. In the, I think he was the heaviest goalie and Enroth was the lightest. And just how strange it was that that was their goalie tandem. And then like it blew up within the first month of the season. That's amazing. The goaltending might be fine. I just I just am not going to Vegas and putting money on it either way. Do you know who the biggest goalie in the league was last year in terms of weight? Was it Lehner? Yeah, 250 pounds. He's, a, he's just a big man. He's he's kind of got like the opposite build of me. He's got like a lot of weight in like a lot of different places. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I gain weight, Jonas, it's just all in in the one spot, so it just feels pointless, and I don't want to do it again. Mm. Um, it's the dad pod. Uh, Jason uh, says they can't afford to re-sign Neilander in two years. Why not just trade him now while his value is high and he still has term. Well, Can I answer that? Uh, probably his, we've talked about this many times on the podcast, his value is probably not as high as what it should be. The other teams aren't super excited about William Nylander for whatever reason. You know, I've been told for, I mean, this is, I was told this like two years ago, but, you know, the trade offers for Nylander were not great. So, and I think the other thing too is I think if you're going to trade Nylander, it's probably next summer that you think, that you look at it. Well, they're still trying to win. So, what would be the point of trading Neander? What What would be the gain? Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't think this is the time to move him. So, you know, I, I think the contract for both him and Matthews is going to be a storyline this year. But it's a much bigger storyline next summer, especially if they lose in the first round again. Indeed, if they lose in the first round, I can't see. I I, I, I suspect Neander will get traded next summer. So. Uh, among other changes, uh, Zachary says, obvious question. Do you think the Leafs improved this off season? There's a massive question. He says, massive question mark in goal aside, does this roster of skaters have a better shot of getting out of the first round? Um, and he says, I'm very glad to have the podcast back. Hope you had a great summer. So thanks. Thanks for that, Zach. Yeah. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, so are they Better or do they better? Are they better? He says, is, a group of, get- is a group of skaters better equipped at winning in the first round? I don't, it's <sighs> maybe a little bit. We need to see is Sandine on the team? Is he, is he, does he take a step forward? Does Logan take a step forward? Is, how does Muzzin play? Uh, how does all the different wild card options at forward? I, I think the team's very, if, if you put a gun to my head and said, uh, I would say the team is talent-wise quite similar to last season, aside from the qu- the question mark and goal. I think their chances are maybe a little bit worse than they were, but not by like much. Well, the thing that that counterbalances that is the division. I think is weaker than it was last year. I think that Tampa took a step back. I think Florida took a step back. Boston's probably taking a step back. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and we'll see what happens with Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, you know, that those teams. They're that, not that, in the same class. Like, that's not their competition. I wonder if there might be one of them that surprises. And But, you know, if if best case scenario for the Leafs is they win the division and they're going to, they would likely potentially get one of those teams to play, maybe, or maybe it would be Boston. Yeah. Um, so... I, I think the Leafs' goal has to be to win the division. I mean, I think, and I think if they have 115 points again, I think that 
Florida is going to take a step back from where they were, and it's possibly win the division with 115 points. Yep. Uh, let's do one more. Sure. Have we done uh, five of 68? <laughs> <laughs> Only 60 some odd more to go. Let's you go. Know, so I'll tell people the way that I depict the questions is the ones that get thumbs up by other people that say I, they want to read those. They, they want us to talk about those questions. Those are the ones that we get to first. So well, James, I have an idea. Maybe yeah. for our next podcast. We the just one go bef- through more of these. Yeah, we just do a whole pod bag episode. What do yeah, you think? We could do, we could do that, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a good one to end on. Alan asks, I, I love the things that people think of because we haven't even talked about that. We've been talking for over an hour and we haven't even talked about this. Alan says, do you think the Leafs have Matthew Nyes penciled in to uh, roll, you know, in the forward line, second or third line come playoff time? And that's impacting their decision making. No, I do not. I think you? they think it's a, I think they think it's a possibility that he could join the team. But late like in the a year. faint possibility, honestly. I think he's going to sign, don't you? You don't think he's going to sign a contract at the end of Do the year? Do you think am I, if I'm management, I'm projecting him to be in my lineup in the playoffs? I don't think so. I'm not saying projecting. I'm th- like, I think he's going to sign, but I, I don't know. It's going to depend how things play out. You know, I think it's it's a possibility. But you know what? That impacts more than the roster composition now. It's like, what do you do at the trade deadline? And you'll have a better handle on how nice season has gone, the likelihood of him signing. You know, I think that him not signing last year was just saying, I want one more year in college and then I'll be ready. I am preparing if I'm management for him not to be part of the team. I just don't like it. And if he has some unbelievable season and for some reason there's a spot in the forward group, great. But like, but it, it I, might be Jonas. It, they don't, they don't have to like, they get to the trade deadline and they got to address their needs and they might be like, we don't have to add a forward because we've got nice coming. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I do not I'm see gonna, that. I'm going to get Punch, our producer, to save that fart noise you just made with your mouth. That was not a fart noise. That was like a shrug. Well, you made a noise with your mouth that sounded like a fart. That's a fart noise. Oh, God. All right. Time to wrap. (laughs) Wrap it up. All right. Well, James, we will be back next week when training camp is starting. I think we'll try to maybe do that. If we don't do a full pod back episode, maybe we'll just do... A bigger chunk of pod bag questions. Well, because next our week special guest will uh, might be able to join us next week. All right, special guest who probably doesn't who listen to this podcast. No, don't do that. That's <laughs> okay. rude. All right. Um, so James, it's good to be back. It's good to, to chat. Um, thank you for everybody for listening, and we appreciate your support. And we're gonna keep cranking them out, right, James? Indeed. All right. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.